Nico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast, where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except that we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well on my Christmas shopping, so I'm feeling good, feeling positive. I'm also feeling positive as well. Uh, we had a pretty good weekend here on our side. My sister is going to be celebrating her birthday soon. We went to Epcot. I went to the Ratatouille ride for the first time. How, hold hold very, on. How did that go? Very, cute. Very cute ride. Really? Yes. Very cute ride. Who said that it was trash? I can't remember. Our friend Danny Romero, I think. That's the one. Well, uh, I may be re- misremembering. If he's the one that called it trash, or if he was quoting someone who said, that "Oh, it was you're trash. right, yeah." Um, but I do remember we discussed that at one point. I thought it was a really cute ride. It's a trackless ride, mm-hmm. um, still a lot of fun. Uh, and then we spent the rest of the day eating. Eating. I was gonna say y'all yes. posted a lot of food pics. Yeah, we did, <laughs> and we ate a lot, a nice. good amount of food. So very enjoyable. And I hope it's as enjoyable as the conversation we're about to have. I think it will be. Yes, we are going to be uh, we are going to be talking about two (laughs) movies today. So that's three for three double features. Yes, we are. We are killing it (laughs) on the double feature front. Uh, So if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars. Goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. And lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. Today, the first movie that we're going to talk about is an animated movie from Disney. We are going to talk about Encanto. Yes. Yes, this is okay. a brand new film. Uh, and Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us what this movie is about? The IMDb synopsis reads, a young Colombian girl has to face the frustration of being the only member of her family without magical powers. Now, this movie is known mostly because, number one, it is the first Hispanic uh, family in an animated Disney movie, like where it centrals around a Hispanic family, a a Hispanic girl. Mm -hmm. So it's a Colombian family. And the other thing that's noteworthy about this movie is that the music is written. The original music is written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton in the Heights, which also had its own movie earlier this year. Uh, That's probably the two biggest things about, this movie but Mm -hmm. let's go ahead and talk about the movie uh i'll go ahead and let you guys know who it's directed and written by uh so it's directed by jared bush uh and sharice castro smith is it three directors three directors on this movie it was what first of all it was weird because when we were looking at the credits it said directed by jared bush and then it had two co-creators listed Mm. after Gotcha. And, and that's Sharice and that's Byron Howard. Right. And so they have worked together on different movies in, in some way, or shape or form. Jared Bush has worked on Moana and Zootopia. Sharice has worked on Raya uh, and the Last Dragon. Also has worked on The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And Byron Howard worked on Bolt, Tangled and Zootopia. That's right. 
Uh, now, this movie does star a very eclectic group of Hispanic mm-hmm. actors and actresses, starting with Stephanie Beatrice. She plays the title character. Well, not the title character, but the main <laughs> character, Mirabel. Uh, she is an Argentinian actress who is well known for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Maria Cecilia Botero. She plays Abuela Alma. She is from Colombia. Uh, we have John Leguizamo. He is a he's he is a bit of a legend if you think about it. Uh, I think least, he is a legend, especially among the Hispanic community. He plays Theo Bruno. He was born in Colombia. His grandfather is of Puerto Rican descent. Yeah, um, I always thought he was a PR guy. Yeah, and I, uh, it's a so I was a little bit surprised that he's like straight Colombian. That he's straight Colombian, born in yeah. Colombia, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the rest of the cast is filled out by a lot of different names. We have Mauro Castillo. Who plays Felix from De Cali, Colombia? Yo me voy pa Cali. Yo también me voy. <laughs> we have Jessica Daro, who plays Luisa. She is Cuban American. Angie Cepeda, or Cepeda, sorry. Angie Cepeda, who plays Julieta. She's from Colombia. Was also in the show Jane the Virgin. I'm guessing mm-hmm. the CW Jane the Virgin, not like. Oh, yeah. No. Not like. Not the original. Of, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I don't believe it was the original. Gotcha. But if it was, I do apologize. <laughs> That's true. Uh, we also have uh, Carolina Gaitanas Pepa, a Colombian actress and singer. Uh, mm-hmm. Diane Guerrero, uh, she plays Isabella. She's from Colombia. She's on. She was on Jane the Virgin and Orange is the New Black. And you can also find her now on Doom Patrol, which is the DC show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilmer Valderrama. That is a name <laughs> that I haven't heard in a while. Uh, he plays Agustin. Uh, he is of Colombian and Venezuelan descent. He was born in Miami. You hey. will know him from that 70s show. That is yep. his like, calling card. Uh, to round out the cast, we have a few more names. Renzi Feliz plays Camilo of Dominican descent. He was He's on the show Teen Wolf. Uh, Ravi Cabo Conyers. Going from English, going from Spanish yes. to English is always like such it's a tough hard. one. Yeah, uh, he plays Antonio. We have Adasa who plays Doro, uh, Dolores, born in Miami, Afro-Colombian reggaeton princess. Hey, hey. <laughs> when I saw that on the Wikipedia page, I was like, "Eperate, for real?" I know, right? It, that's what? The, that's her title. <laughs> yeah. And finally, rounding out the cast is Maluma, who plays yes. Mariano. Maluma is a Famous, Maluma famous, baby. Yes, very, very <laughs> famous singer. He is also from Colombia. Now, uh, Jessica, why don't you tell us a little bit about how it did at the box office and how it did with critics as well? I so look here. The box office it made fifty eight point three million dollars domestic, and it has currently made one hundred and seventeen point three million dollars worldwide. Pretty strong. Which is Pretty strong, I think. The Rotten Tomatoes score is a 90%, which is a really good score. Yes, it is. And then the audience score is 94%. The critics' consensus reads, Encanto's setting and cultural perspective are new for Disney, but the end result is the same. Enchanting, beautifully animated fun for the whole family. Audience consensus reads, whether you're looking for gorgeous animation, catchy songs, a heartwarming message, message, or all of the above, Encanto delivers. So now with all that said, Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about how we felt about this movie. So, Jessica, how did you feel about Encanto? I had low expectations, but it was really good. You have low? Oh, okay, low expectations. Why did you have low expectations? Mostly because I didn't really like Coco that much. 
Oh, okay. And Coco's like the forerunner, forebear to the rest of like any POC and Hispanic characters leading an animated Disney movie, I feel. Okay. I, I totally understand that. Yes. And then this movie, I felt like it was better than Coco. I think. Uh, but I'm I'm the min- in the minority that I wasn't like thrilled with Coco. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good, but not like. Right. Oh, my God. Coco is the bit. No. <laughs> uh, I probably have a, an interesting question to ask Ooh, when it comes to it. Coco. What's uh, up? What are you going to ask me, Lord? The question that I have to ask. Coco is primarily a movie about Mexican culture mm-hmm. and Mexican characters. Yes. And then Encanto is Colombian. South uh, American. Or South American. Uh, yes. Characters, culture. Do you think that because of the way we were raised down in South Florida, which is uh-huh. very, very influenced by not only Caribbean Hispanics, but also south american hispanics Mm -hmm. do you think there's a disconnect between how we felt regarding coco versus how we feel regarding encanto well the thing is that i feel like coco sort of had to come first because i mean i didn't experience this until i was much older but whenever when i traveled outside of miami and florida which is very multicultural Mm -hmm. i remember going to like the middle of nowhere georgia and they would ask what language I was speaking. And I don't even speak like perfect fluent Spanish, but I was like, Spanish? Like, it's very basic. I thought anyone can recognize Spanish. No, the answer is a huge resounding no. And then second of all, people assumed I was Mexican. Yeah, that is. And I'm like, where the hell are you getting Mexican from? No, (laughs) right. Not everyone who speaks Spanish and looks Hispanic is Mexican. Like, absolutely not. No, of course not. It's like blew my mind, right? Because right. we come from Miami. We come from the South Florida, which is like a different country down there, I swear. Oh, yeah. It's its own And thing. we ne- that has never crossed anyone's mind. Like, oh, everyone's Mexican. Absolutely not. Everyone's no. mixed. Everyone's different. Like, you know, you got people from everywhere. So I kind of feel like <laughs> Coco had to come first so that we can get something like Encanto. Yes. I. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you on that point. That yes. being said, I do think that I don't really care too much about like Mexican, um, uh, like Coco, for instance, which is like heavily influenced by Mexican culture. Mm. We I don't. I never celebrated the Day of the Dead, right? Neither have I. You know, I don't really, I'm not familiar with that. But am I familiar with like accordions in Colombian music? Absolutely. Totally. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Like it just gives me a different flavor. And yeah, it felt way more closer to home than Coco did. But that's not the reason why I didn't like Coco. It was just other things. But um, right. yeah, I, I would agree that like I'm not connecting with Coco as much as I'm connecting with Encanto. Right. And I I feel the same way where I find myself gravitating more to the things that happen in Encanto because I can relate to them a little bit more. Mm. Uh, one big example is the music. Mm-hmm. Like the music itself, um, if you were to contrast, and not to make this a whole like Coco versus Encanto podcast. but <laughs> Sorry, I, I started it though. No, no, I'm sorry. But, but just as, as a way of just showing the difference between these two movies, something like, 
Coco has music and it's traditional with Mexican music and its style and flavor that I just did not grow up with. So I, it, it doesn't have a, as big of an impact to me it, versus a, yes. something like Encanto where like out of nowhere, like you have like salsa that we know, Oof. like a, songs that we know yes. like come out and they conjure up this memory or they, they conjure up this feeling mm-hmm. that gets you more attached to mm-hmm. to the story a bit. So from here going forward, I'm going to con- let's concentrate only on Encanto. <laughs> Just Encanto. Yeah, yeah. So let's do that. Uh, okay, so how did you feel about the overall story just in general? Did, did you think it was a good story? So I would say yes and no because mm-hmm. I like the like the basic concept of the story, but I also don't like how it resolved very easily and very quickly in the third act. I agree. Uh, I feel that the third act uh, feels like it, it's almost, I wouldn't say it rushed it, but mm. it felt too easy of an too overcoming of, mm-hmm. of, an itch, of an issue, of a situation, of the main antagonistic point mm-hmm. that a movie usually has in its third act. It overcomes it way too quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a bit of a problem with the movie in the third act. Um, but I like the lead up to it mm-hmm. a lot. I love the characters. They felt very familiar to me. Like, um, like all these characters, you've just like met them. Like to me, I'm like, I've met these people. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I really enjoyed getting to know the family. La Familia was um, just a breath of fresh air to me. The music, amazing. Um you know, I could probably sit here and like listen to the Encanto soundtrack like easily <laughs> compared yes. to some other, um, you know, Disney musicals. Oh, yeah. And especially in recent years where mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the music that comes out of a lot of these Disney movies recently are not as engaging as some of the stuff catchy. From, like, or catchy from the Renaissance or even post Renaissance where there were things that were coming out like such as like Tarzan, the Tarzan soundtrack, you know, slaps pretty much. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> but like stuff from like the the late 2000s to 2010s hasn't been hitting as hard uh, except for your like little things like, you know, Let It Go. I don't mean little, but I mean like one song from. <laughs> yeah. Or um, How Far I'll Go from Moana. Yeah. Let's, there's like singles off an singles, album versus like, oh, I can stuff. listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that's the difference. This one does feel like you can you can listen to a few of the songs, no mm-hmm. doubt. And it'll just be like, yeah, I really enjoy what I'm listening to in this. Uh, character wise, let's let's talk about our main character, which is uh, uh, Mirabel. Mm-hmm, Mirabel. She is the main character. She has no powers in a family full of magical people, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you enjoy following her story as the main character in this story? Well, I think that I related to it because every family has, and I would I'm gonna argue and say that every Hispanic family has. Um, a matriarch or a patriarch who expects a lot from especially Mm. the grandchildren and the grandchildren can never meet these expectations like even if you're doing well in school oh you don't have a boyfriend 
oh, you have a bunch of boyfriends. That's bad. Like, you know, it's like you can't win. You're walking a thin line. Yes. As to what the expectation is. Right. And oh, you've lost weight. Oh, you gain weight. Like it just the list goes on and on. And the abuela character is very harsh on Mirabel because she just doesn't have any powers <laughs> compared to all the other um, grandchildren that do have powers. So it's like very much a Disney concept to have it be magical powers versus something more mundane, like a bachelor's degree or something like that. Right. But um, <laughs> it felt um, genuine. It did. And what what also... You know, you feel pain for the character because Mm -hmm. the character is trying. And she has so much love and affection for the family and la abuela. Yeah. And she wants to please her. Yes, Mm -hmm. wants to please her, wants to do everything she can to show that she's worthy Mm -hmm. of being part of the family. Mm -hmm. And she feels like she can never achieve that. Measure up. Yeah. Never. So... Outside of her, we have a bunch of characters. I think... I think there might be too many characters. There might be too many characters. (laughs) That is my complaint, is that Mm -hmm. there's too many people to meet. And I get it, that most Hispanic families are giant families. Extended. (laughs) Yes, the extended families, because you're always talking about cousins and your uncles and all this. And uh, I personally cannot relate that well to it, because I didn't grow up you know, amongst the extended family that much. Like I didn't visit them as often as a lot of people I know do. Like there's right. some people who grew up with their cousin as their best friend type of thing. Yes. Yes. And, and you see that a lot in, in Hispanic communities. Right. So, so this movie like really leans into that concept of mm-hmm. the family, not only being family, but also being friends and being mm-hmm. together Living them. together as yeah. well. Living together. Uh, how many how many houses or people or families in Hialeah? Bro, did you quit, know that quit. we just like <laughs> chill, the grandma lives there, couple of cousins? Like, yeah. So I know a family that um they used to have, oh my god, in La Sabuesera, they used to have a bunch of like two houses, but like tiny ass houses next to each other. And the basically the in-laws were next door, and then the married couple was like next door. The son and his wife were living next door. And I always thought that was so weird because like obviously I'm a little I'm a little more like on the American side where my grandparents didn't live in the same house as us. Right. And same it was here. just too close. It was so close. Too close. <laughs> like I was like, what? It's too close. <laughs> yeah. Then so- like they were fighting over the houses. It's all this stuff. Drama. Total drama. House drama, like in this movie. <laughs> exactly. Out of the outside characters besides Mirabel, is there a character that kind of stood out to you as one that yes. you really liked? Who? So I really liked, I think her name was Isabella. Was she the flower girl? Yes. Okay. The sister. So look, I have a friend and she looks identical to Isabella and she is Colombian from the homeland. And I swear to God... They lifted the character from her because <laughs> she <laughs> not that she can sing as beautifully as uh, Diane Guerrero, but um, her uh, just demeanor, not that she was a bitch either, but like because that character was mean. Right. But it just her her whole like, oh, I have to be perfect. I'm perfect. And 
you know, she's just unattainable. Actually, Mira, um, Isabella in the movie is described as la señorita perfecta. La señorita perfecta. And that's how my friend um, is. <laughs> so I was a little bit like taken aback by Isabella's character. Because it, it, it hit too close to home. It hit too close to home. <laughs> and you, you know what friend I'm talking about. Too. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> and I kept saying it in the movie. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so and so. Yeah. Uh, so that yeah, that is uh, that is a character that I totally can see how you got to that for sure. Yes. Um, the character that I really enjoyed was I believe his name is I think it's Felix. He is the uh, he is the. Afro-Cuban husband yes. of yes, yes, yes of Luisa. Luisa yes. is the one who like conjures up weather, the weather, based, yeah, based on her emotions. Mm-hmm. Her husband felt I like, love him. I loved him because he's like he's in the background, but he like injects himself into different yes. things. He talks about things that people don't want to talk about. Like he <laughs> he is like the one that's like, come on, you guys got to talk, or else we're not going to fix stuff. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah. He felt like that character. I really And the dancing, him. his dancing oh, yes. was so good. <laughs> his dancing was great. His dancing yeah. was great. Uh, it's a party animal. <laughs> total party animal. I love it. Yeah, Felix or uh played by Mauro Castillo, amazing. Amazing. Love that character too. Love that character. I love his look as well. Yeah. The yeah. Afro um Afro-Cuban you said? Was he Afro-Cuban? No, no. I said Afro-Colombian. Afro-Colombian. Did I say Afro-Cuban? You I, did if say I Afro-Cuban. Did, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean but to say that. But he's, um, yeah, Afro-Colombian. I love it. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then also, all the kids are mixed. <laughs> yeah, the kids are mixed. So, like, you know, one's a little lighter, one's a little darker. Yes. Like, really nice. <laughs> yes. It, it was really cute the way they, they portrayed all these different types of characters. Mm. And, you know, you do have what Hispanics see all the time is... We have light-skinned Hispanics like um, Luisa. Luisa. <laughs> and you have dark-skinned Hispanics like Felix. Yeah. And, you know, they come together. And so. Yeah. We, and all the kids are, are mixed. Yeah. We have a wide variety when it comes to Hispanics. So All shapes and sizes and exactly, colors. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, okay. So let's talk about the music. Because I think. Fire. <laughs> fire <laughs> uh i think the music is very entertaining For very sure. good throughout you picked up on a song while we were watching the movie that i thought was also really good um and before we talk about the titles of the songs or anything you can really feel the influence of you know Lin manuel miranda mm-hmm. in the music you he can has he has a very particular type of writing when it comes to music that mm-hmm. you can feel in Hamilton, in in the Heights, and now in Encanto. Yeah, like he has some flourishes that he uses again and again. Uh, one that he uses is during the "We Don't Talk About Bruno" song, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really good song. He ends the song in the in the way that he has ended songs on his other previous musical things where all the characters are singing their own thing at the same time. Yeah. That is a common thing that he uses. 
Uh, he used that in 96,000 on In the Heights, and he used it on uh, nonstop on, mm-hmm. on Hamilton. So if you listen to those songs and the way they bleed into each other at the end where everybody's like almost like singing over each other, that's one yeah. of the flourishes. Uh, there's like use of phrasing that he kind of like mm-hmm. musical phrasing. So like he may not be saying the same words, but like it sounds similar in the way his Yeah, cadence, he likes a certain cadence. Yeah. Cadence. So that's what I'm saying there. So out of the songs, which were the ones that kind of really stood out? I know I mentioned... We don't talk about Bruno. That that was one that I really stuck to me. I think El Baile Madrigal. El, ah, is that the... Was that the main titles? Uh, I don't know. No. Oh, um, the Family Madrigal at the beginning where they're introducing all the different characters. No, I mean El Baile Madrigal. I really like El Baile Madrigal. I like Mi La Familia. Um, two Orguitas. Oh, yes. See, oh, sorry. Oruguitas. Oruguitas. That one stood out to me both during the movie just because of I was struggling with what did the word mean. And of course, duh. Like It means caterpillar. Like caterpillar, of course. <laughs> the, like the song Oruguitas. is leading towards butterflies. Yeah. Mariposas. So, yeah, but even after, like, I still thought about that song even after we had left that movie a couple days later. Like, Mm -hmm. that song came into my head. Uh, The song that came into my head days later was Colombia Mi Encanto. Oh. That's the Carlos Vives Vives song. This is the one that you hear in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I think that song is great. (laughs) By an amazing artist, Carlos Vives. Wow. What yeah, a great man. Colombian artist to get on this OST. Oh, totally. Um, I remember. And he's got such a recognizable up. voice. Like, yes. you're like, that's Carlos Vives. Like, there's no question. No question. Like, there was no doubt when I first heard it in the trailer. I was like, oh, that's Carlos Vives. Like, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah. Has, and if you grew up in a Hispanic household in South Florida, that yeah. the songs, his songs would be on a party playlist oh, for, for sure. people to dance to. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, There was one more song that I know that we kind of like had a bit of like, oh, this is a pretty good song. Although the voice, uh, the vocals on it, I wasn't as a big fan of. But I think that the the tone of the song and how fun the song was, uh, it was the one surface pressure. Uh Uh-huh. Where it's... Mm -hmm. The sister, the strong sister, Luisa, Mm -hmm. who is feeling all this pressure of not being able to be the strongest one because she has the power of strength. And she is feeling this pressure of not being able to live up to always being the strongest. And especially since during something happens in the movie where uh, their powers are beginning to fade. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that overall this music is really good. We could go on for quite a bit before we go into spoilers to like, you know, break down anything that we want to break down. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention or say about Encanto? No. All right. So that is our cue. Let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for Encanto right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk about spoilers for Disney's Encanto. So I think we could keep this pretty brief. We'll start with what is our favorite scenes in this movie? So, Jessica, I'll let you start. What is one of your favorite scenes? If you have more than one, of course. When the little one got his gift and it was all animals and he opened his door and it was like rainforest. Yes. Um, That was amazing. I loved it. It was super cute. It really was. I, I really thought that they they did a good job of differentiating powers between all the characters so no one felt the same. Mm-hmm. There was a nice eclectic feel of even the powers, not just of the people and the characters, but also the powers as well. Uh, yeah, that was that was really cute. Like seeing him noticing that he could talk to animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cute. And just yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah that was really cute. Um I truly enjoyed the song that we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno's a good one. And just the <laughs> the the way the sequence goes down where we see uh Luisa and Felix at their wedding and how it was a yes! storm because <laughs> like he had a vision and so like it messed up <laughs> her her emotions for that day and then like everyone just has all these negative feelings about Bruno. Yeah, he told me this, he told me that, and it's all, like, whack things that he said. Oh, yeah, it's like, yeah, he said that my goldfish was going to die, and then it died, <laughs> and it's like, okay. So people are viewing him negatively, even if really they don't have to, because he's giving them bad news, but it's things that are just going to happen, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that. So I, I really enjoy that. I think that, the moment where the grandmother and Mirabel come together mm. and they kind of reconcile their differences to while the song uh, Dos Oruguitas is playing behind mm-hmm. them. I think that is that was a touching moment of mm-hmm. having two characters who Obviously, there's love there, but there is a misunderstanding of how they want to share their love. Mm-hmm. Abuela is much more strict and, and controlling and protective of what she already has and doesn't want to lose it versus Mirabel, who is much more open and wants to express her love and wants to share it. You know, mm-hmm. So having those two distinct personalities come together finally and, and begin to understand each other, I thought was... Uh, touching mm-hmm. to say the least i appreciated all the food was like straight colombian like i was like yes yes the arepas and the buñuelos mm. and all the good things all the good things yes <laughs> yes very yeah it's a great food um i i did find amusing the little kids that hung out outside of the house 
<laughs> who were part of the town and yeah. were addicted to coffee, especially one of them. Yes. Like, oh, <laughs> he kept having espresso. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic yeah. to have those kids around and just like interject their thoughts whenever like they're on screen. Yeah. Like, when, super cute. When uh, Mirabel is like trying to hide the fact that she doesn't have a power to these kids. Mm-hmm. And like she says something. One of the little girls is like, maybe your power is denial. <laughs> just, like straight up. <laughs> like, like dead ass. Like, <laughs> dead ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. That's my superpower as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. Damn. All right. Um, let's talk about the third act because oh. this is where I think the movie doesn't achieve its potential. Because mm-hmm. I think this movie could have really cemented itself as like a like top tier Disney movie. Right. But what I feel is lacking is... I don't feel like there's a real antagonist. It's the idea of an yes, a concept, a concept more than a physical a feeling, man- right? <laughs> so, I think that is kind of a problem. I I totally appreciate you dealing with the concept of uh, Mira Mirabel is possibly either the savior of the family or the destroyer of the family. I I think that's a cool concept to play with. Yeah. But for a kid's movie or an animated movie, I don't think it works because you still need a physical representation of bad or an antagonist. And this movie doesn't really have that. It just has that concept that's in the head. Yes. Like, oh, something's going to happen because Bruno envisioned it. And it all leads to Mirabel. Mm-hmm. Either she's going to destroy the family or she is going to well, no, save the, ca- the house. Or the house, the magical yeah. house. And so that's a concept. That's not really a, you know, an actual thing that you could root against in a movie. Right. And it's hard to convey the enormity or the danger of hanging on to something so tightly that you break it. And that's exactly what La Abuela did to the family in the house. Yeah. Um, that's really difficult to make a villain necessarily because it's La Abuela that's the villain then. Yeah, but they don't do a good job of portraying her as the villain. They just portray her as a strong, like, a, you know, a little yeah. intense towards her family. Mm-hmm. But never do we see her doing anything nefarious. It's and then all... she starts, well, she starts blaming Maribel uh, for like, the house kind of that's true degrading uh, i don't know but it's, it's not weird. strong enough to yeah. really get you to say like oh she's a bad person it's not right. really that maybe she does some things that you could say she behaved poorly but again nothing that says she's a villain now if they would have had maybe an antagonist that threatens the magic of the house mm. you know something that from their past because they always talk about the past and how they lost their first home. And yeah. so this new home was set And what happened magic. there? Like, ¿Qué pasó? Like, uh, who were those guys? It, it seems Was that like, like a civil just, war type That's what it felt deal? like. That's what it felt like. There was like and then they had to war. flee to the mountains. And then, where it was like a valley. And then it became mountains when the candle lit. And like, it showed them the house. Built the house. Like, right. in a sec. I would have liked to see something threaten the the house like that, like a mm-hmm. physical representation, like either a group of people 
or or someone from the past that also mm-hmm. had magical powers mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. threatens the magic of la familia madrigal mm-hmm. so something like that probably would have been a little more tangible yes there grasp. was no journey for maribel to go on exactly like she just ventured into bruno's house (laughs) abode within his door Mm -hmm. and that was pretty much the extent of her like indiana jones career um and i think that was an issue with me because i thought she was gonna go solve it like go somewhere to solve this issue and she didn't no she doesn't she like just stayed like in the town in the house it's just her presence her presence is what and not only her presence but also her emotional connection with her grandma is the saving factor of the family Mm -hmm. so yeah it it, it's it's a concept i think it's an interesting concept i don't know if it fully works for what you're trying to do with an animated movie Mm -hmm. that is geared towards kids maybe you do want to you know, teach that lesson to kids. About and then like, well, did they get their powers back at the end of the movie or no? They did not. I think the house was still the enchanted. House was enchanted because when, when she puts in the doorknob at the end, after they built, rebuilt the house, mm-hmm. you could see it magically comes back. But right. I don't remember if any of them had their powers after that. Maybe they did and I didn't remember because it it, it kind of ends really quickly with mm-hmm. like a tour through the house like it's magical and then they take a picture again. Yeah. So maybe they did. I'm not sure. But again, it's still <laughs> a very enjoyable movie and mm-hmm. I could see myself like watching scenes from it or whatever. But in its totality, that last part kind of holds it back. Mm-hmm. That, I would agree. So overall, as a score... I ended up giving it a three and a half because there there's enough there that really makes it a very enjoyable experience. How about you? I initially gave it a four, but the third act just brings it just to brings a it three down. and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, I look forward to Disney making more. I would yeah. totally love to see a Caribbean Hispanic Bruh. movie. Let's go. Come Let's on. go. I, I'm ready for that, man. Like, yeah, if the music was killing us already in Encanto, we're yeah. not even Colombian. Yo, can you imagine? Bro. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, if they do like a, a mix of like, like you could put Dominican in there, but like Puerto Rican, Cuban, Dominican, oh, like, oof. Oof. It's over. It's, it's going to blow us away. <laughs> it will yeah. blow us away. So those have been our thoughts on the movie Encanto. Uh, so that was very enjoyable. I think we're going to enjoy this conversation next. Yes. <laughs> uh, about the next movie that we're going to talk about. Uh, I can't even hold it in, man. I know. Just... I'm already laughing. Okay. All right. So coming up next, we are going to talk about House of Gucci. <laughs> So let's go ahead and let's talk about House of Gucci. <laughs> so this is a new movie yes. from director Ridley Scott. Uh, legendary everyone's, director. 
everyone's favorite director right now. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, so Ridley Scott, if you don't know, he did release a movie earlier this year, um, The Last Duel. This man, I believe he's 88 years old. Yeah, he's I don't know old. how he's doing this. I yeah, no, I don't know either. This. Yeah. Um, Jessica, why don't you tell us what this movie's about? The IMDb synopsis is when Patricia Reggiani, an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family, her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. Wow. What a description. Wow. <laughs> so this movie is direct uh, written by Becky Johnston. Uh, she wrote Seven Years in Tibet and The Prince of Tides. Roberto Bentevenia, I believe is how Maybe. you would say it. Uh, he's only written uh, shorts, yeah, like, um, movie shorts. And Sarah Gay Forden, which is based on the book that she wrote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this movie has an all-star cast. We have Lady Gaga. She is playing Patrizia Reggiani. We have Adam Driver as Mauricio Gucci. Al Pacino as Aldo Gucci. Jeremy Irons as Rodolfo Gucci. Jared Leto as Paolo Gucci. <laughs> wow. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and finally, Salma Hayek as Pina. Yes. Jessica, mm, tell us yeah. how did this movie do box office wise and how was it received by critics? I so box office in its opening weekend it made $23.1 million. Not so great compared to other movies that we've talked about. And then it's currently made, as of this recording, $68 million worldwide, um, which, again, not as good as, like, even Encanto, which had over $100 million worldwide Right, it's so almost far. doubled it. Yeah. But I get that. Kids movie versus, like, a drama. That's By Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. The Rotten Tomato score is 61%. Ouch. And the audience score is an 83%. Critics' consensus reads, House of Gucci vacillates between inspired camp and dour... What? Dour. Dour. Sorry. Camp and dour drama too often to pull off a confident runway streak. <laughs> I can't read this. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Vacillates between inspired camp and dour drama too often to pull off a confident runway strut. But Lady Gaga's note-perfect performance... <laughs> That's a timeless style all its own. Okay, audience consensus reads, it can be slow going, but House of Gucci adds up to a fascinating story and Lady Gaga's performance is a knockout. Okay. Okay. Let's, sure. Okay. Uh, all, right. all right. Let's get into this. <laughs> let's do Jessica, this. what did you think of House of Gucci? This might be the most entertaining movie I've seen <laughs> this year. Yes, the yes. entire year. I was just so Bro. enthralled. This movie is funny as shit. <laughs> um, it was just not the prestige movie that I was expecting. It came off. It looks wise. It was like a dreary looking like Tiger King style reality TV special was how I viewed it versus like this polished based on a true story type thing, which is what I'm sure Ridley Scott was going for. Um, I thought the accents, the Italian accents were everywhere. Jeremy Irons completely gave up after two lines, just said, fuck it. He's just not going to do it. Al Pacino played himself 
And Lady Gaga seemed to be the only person who wanted to do justice, and I do mean a pun intended, to her character. That being said, Jared Leto proved once again that he's this method acting nut who relishes chewing up the scenery. When he said, I want to fly like a pigeon, oh my I God. was oh my God. on the I floor. I was I lost, <laughs> lost <it>. my shit. <laughs> the getup that they put him in. Mm. Oh my God. So is some, that a Halloween costume? Just tell me right of, now. It kind of feels like <laughs> it. kind of feels like it. Oh, I, you see it in the trailer, but like in the movie, it's still just as hilarious as when, <laughs> when uh, his father... Al Pacino's Aldo yes. is criticizing the way he's dressed. And Paolo goes, what is chic? <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. So let me tell you what I wrote on okay. Letterboxd. It's a short review, but this is what I wrote after that movie. Oh God. Really Scott went to each actor and told them what movie they're in. Unfortunately, he told each person a different movie. <laughs> God. The acting performances are all over the place. All over the place. Um, Everywhere. I don't understand the praise for Gaga. And the reason why is because this woman is doing like a Transylvanian accent like halfway <laughs> through that movie. Like she is not Italian halfway through that movie. <laughs> it's weird because everything is fluctuating. Every Ooh. accent is fluctuating. <laughs> oh my God. The only one super dedicated enough is Leto. Leto he's the is, most dedicated and yes, he's crazy like he's literally crazy. he went on I don't know what talk show it was a late night show and he said this crazy ass story where it was the first time he had ever gotten um fully dressed up as Aldo sorry not Aldo Paolo as Paolo he had the full getup on unrecognizable right it doesn't look anything like Jared Leto he goes up to Al Pacino and he's like Papa and Al Pacino blows him off like completely ignores him because he's like oh my god he's a freak he does this a couple of more times before someone tells Al Pacino, hey, it's Jared. And then Al Pacino's like, my son, and like accepts Jared Leto as his as his character, like oh, fully dresses his character. And like, this is the same man that was sending like dead rats on the set of like Suicide Squad. Yeah. Like he's crazy. He's a crazy <laughs> he's like, person. Yes. Like, people want to say it's method acting. No, this is a crazy person. That's a crazy person. <laughs> it really is. Didn't he say some, like, weird-ass quote as to, like, how he got to his accent, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, I don't, like, bro. Okay. I will say, though, his his entire thing is oh entertaining as hell. Oh, that's what I'm saying. He is just a character, a caricature on top of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Like, he is just insane. It's a parody. It does. It, it feels like everyone's doing a different parody. Oh my goodness. It's it's oh. <laughs> it's the just, you're laughing no, at it already. Because I'm 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 looking for it, but like just thinking about this movie and all the twists and turns that it takes, but at the same time it feels like one of those generic biopics. Because like it hits like the same notes as a normal biopic. It's like yes, starting with the humble beginnings of someone, and then you see the rise, and then you see the extravagance, decadence. You see, you know, the hardship, and then the fall. You know, like (laughs) they were wronged. All the beats of a typical (laughs) biopic, 
So that part's not interesting at all because the story I don't think is interesting at all. Um, well, the real story is very interesting. The real story is interesting. <laughs> the one that's on film is not um, right. because it, it doesn't really give you any insight as to it's all surface level. Like what was going on with Gucci during mm. these periods of time? There was nothing that really went in depth as to what exactly was happening with Gucci. Like, for example, one of the biggest things that I think this movie just glosses over is towards the end. Uh, it introduces a character, but doesn't give us that person's name until well later. And they don't show what exactly his impact was. They, it's just briefly like in a newspaper that what this impact on the Gucci brand was. Actually, it's not even a spoiler. It's, it's Tom Ford. Tom Ford. Yeah. Like the movie does not name him. Like, no, it's he's like a no name designer from Texas. from Texas. Like you're supposed to know it. And I knew it because like my brother likes Tom Ford. Uh, you know, he he likes his brand of um, fashion. Suits? Fashion. Okay, fashion and you know cologne and everything so i know a little bit about him so when they mentioned it i was like oh it's time for but they don't even mention his name until no, much later end. yeah <laughs> much later so it, it's so weird and i guess they expect audiences to know who it is homie uh, i didn't know exactly like the average audience person doesn't <laughs> know that that yeah. was tom ford or what his significance to the gucci brand was in the 90s correct but the movie kind of just glosses over it like, yes. oh, he put on a show and then that was it. No, there was much more to it. But, you know, mm -hmm. it, it it was the movie is surface level. Not very good in terms of telling a story about, the you know, this family. Right. But the real life stuff. That is happening. Scandal. Scandal. Jessica, <laughs> I want you to inform us about this. About what the actual story or well, what the Gucci family has said the, about this portrayal? What the Gucci portrayal. family has said. Oh, my God. Because that okay. in itself. All right. So the Gucci family released a statement. Obviously, at the end of the movie, they tell you the Gucci family is no longer in control of the Gucci brand. So this is just the family after the fact. The heirs of these Gucci fam family that's in, portrayed in the movie. <laughs> The Gucci family takes note of the release of the film House of Gucci and is a bit disconcerted because although the work claims to want to tell the, sto the true story of the family, the fears raised by the trailers and interviews released so far are confirmed. The film carries a narrative that is far from accurate. <laughs> like, no surprise. Okay. Here we go. The production of the film did not bother to consult the heirs before describing Aldo Gucci, president of the company for 30 years, and the members of the Gucci family as thugs, ignorant and insensitive to the world around them, attributing to the protagonist's events a tone and an attitude that never belonged to them. This is extremely painful from a human point of view and an insult to the legacy on which the brand is built today. Um, <laughs> say even more objectionable is the reconstruction that becomes mystifying almost to the point of paradox <laughs> when, when when it gets to the point of suggesting an indulgent tone towards a woman who definitively convicted of having been the instigator of the murder of Maurizio Gucci 
is painted not only in the film, but also in the statements made by cast members as a victim who is trying to survive in a masculine and macho corporate culture. They go on to say that's not true. They had other women in top positions in Gucci at the time. Um, They say Gucci is a family that lives honoring the work of its ancestors whose memory is does not deserve to be disturbed to to stage a film that is not true and does not do justice to its protagonists. Um, the members of the Gucci family reserves every right to protect the name, image, and dignity of their loved ones. That's the end of the statement. They have not, you know, outright sued anybody yet. There has been no, like, legal action taken except for this, like, strongly worded statement, which was released, obviously, in Italian. And that was a trans, uh, translation. Translation, yeah. Okay. The I thought, so first of all, I thought that was hilarious. The more hilarious statement was released <laughs> regarding Al Pacino. So I can't remember who in the Gucci family said this, but they said, my grandfather was a very handsome man. Like all the good, starting wrong. It's starting wrong, right? Like all the Gucci's and very tall with blue eyes, very elegant. He is being played by Al Pacino, who is not very tall already. And this photo shows him as fat, short, with sideburns, really ugly. Shameful, because he doesn't resemble him at all. <laughs> they just wow. called Al Pacino wow. ugly. They called Al Pacino ugly. That is, that is just. They objected to wow, Al Pacino dude. because he looked nothing like you Aldo. Know, imagine, imagine doing that. It's just like, yeah, Al Pacino is going to play your grandfather. It's like. <laughs> No, he's 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 short. Nice short. Fat, <laughs> fat with sideburns, really ugly. <laughs> Bro, that oh is my God. that is something, man. Oh my That's something. God. Oh. That's hysterical. It really is. That's hysterical. And apparently she added uh Jared Leto appearing with a bald head was <laughs> horrible, horrible. I still feel offended. She added. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. Oh shit, that's oh, funny. It is hilarious. Oh my gosh. It's oh. so entertaining, like behind the scenes. And like actually the movie itself. Oh it's funny. And then on top of that, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott! How oh, do we forget God. Ridley Scott? Ridley Scott, <laughs> who directed this movie, has been on a tour de force <laughs> of just straight incendiary up incendiary statements. Incendiary comments, dude. <laughs> so like, okay, so apparently he had comments from the last duel that he still had to get out there. Yes. Uh, he 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 basically said that millennials are the reason that the last duel bombed. Yes, that was funny. Because apparently they can't hold, you know, any type of attention towards the movie. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're, we're millennials by the way yeah we are millennials listening. but apparently <laughs> apparently we're the reason why the movie flopped at the box yes. office so <laughs> and then during a recent press event a reporter uh basically had called the last duel more realistic than released previous films like oh yeah it looks more realistic than kingdom of heaven or robin hood the journalist said mentioning those two people and then ridley responded with <laughs> sir fuck you <laughs> fuck you thank you very much fuck you go fuck yourself sir go on oh, oh my god oh my god <laughs> he had to, i mean 
What? The cojones. Yeah. The cojones on this man. It, it yeah, Ridley Scott is is just having one of those years, man. There's the oh highs of God. making two movies. Two yes. movies in the same year. Yeah, yeah. Uh and also just being just He said ridiculous. something about Marvel too. Oh, right? recently. Yeah. He, he, said, he said crazy some... statements about Marvel. He did a Scorsese. Yeah, yeah. He pulled a Scorsese <laughs> about Marvel. Uh if if you give me a second, I, I could pull it up real quick because he did say something really funny about it. And it'll it'll come up in just a second. Oh, so basically in an interview, uh, I guess they asked them. But why do they ask these prestige directors about Marvel? They're just know. looking for a headline, but they it's really so funny. Are. So, oh. so somebody asked them about Marvel or superhero <laughs> movies pretty much. And so his quote was, the best films are driven by the characters, he said. And we'll come to superheroes after this if you want, because I'll crush it. I'll fucking crush it. They're fucking boring as shit. <laughs> Their scripts are not any fucking good. I think I've done three great scripted superhero movies. One would be Alien with Sigourney Weaver. One would be fucking Gladiator. And one would be Blade Runner. They're superhero movies. So why don't the superhero movies have better stories? Sorry, I got <laughs> off the rail. But I mean, come on. They're mostly <laughs> saved by special effects. And that becomes boring for everyone who works with special effects if you got the money. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Ridley Scott is like a live wire. I don't know why the PR people let him do interviews. Yo. Like after the first F bomb, he first should be taken off the tour. The yeah. Cut his yes. mic. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, so back to the movie. Okay. House of Gucci. House of Gucci. Um, <laughs> I think there's going to be stuff in, in spoilers. Let's just talk spoilers. Let's do it. So, okay. We're going to go ahead and talk about spoilers for House of Gucci right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and let's talk about House of Gucci spoilers. Uh, so... I guess let's talk <laughs> <Sorry>. about <laughs> bro. Okay, so there's so many things in this movie that are just like bonkers. Uh Wild. the the musical choices are like so on the nose 80s. <laughs> right. <laughs> the trailer uh, like it's very top 40, you know. Also, no, time. but you know what the weirdest choice was when when they get married <laughs> uh Patricia and Mauricio and they're playing Faith by by George Michael. Like it's so on the nose, but at the same time, it's just like I don't know if it's this a is a little tacky. Here. Like yeah. it's just kind of tacky at that oh point. Oh my god, it really is. Um I really enjoy the fact that Jeremy Irons just decided, nah, I'm good. Uh, nah, I'll, I'll stick with my normal accent. <laughs> he he didn't yeah. even try, bro. He that said, was... I am a man of England. I will speak my native accent. Yeah. Pretty It'll much. be damned. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, here's a, a big complaint, and I don't understand this at all. Why was Selma Hayek in this movie? Oh, because she was an accomplice. 
Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. I, well, she got charged alongside, you know, the did. two hitmen and, and of course. To Patricia. Patricia. Yeah, <clears throat> she was a co-conspirator in the in the murder of Mauricio. In the context of the movie, she doesn't make any sense at all. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, if, if this would have been a character that gets introduced later as a, an accomplice or no, no. Here's a better thing. Maybe she is what she is in real life. Like, she is like a, a psychic that was on TV. Right. But like it still makes no sense for her to like just pop up randomly in parts of the movie and basically like foreshadow what Lady Gaga's Patricia is about to have. It's like you will have great love and you will have massive fortune. And then halfway through the movie, somebody's trying to take it away from you. And it's like, don't trust everyone. And it's like, OK, so you're just telling us what what it mm-hmm. is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already know as moviegoers, you and I who have watched a lot of movies like this, we know like it's going to end like that. But it's going to end but, badly. <laughs> but for the rest of the audience, they're like really handholding them just like, hey, you know, don't trust anyone. Like it's going to b- go bad. And guess what? They get divorced and it goes bad. So, yeah, she's yeah. like the Rasputin of this movie, um, but not as cool <laughs> as Rasputin. Definitely not as cool. <laughs> um yeah. The the movie again, my one of the biggest complaints is that it's entertaining in its performances and absurdity, but the story itself does not feel like it even warranted a, a making of it, of mm-hmm. the movie itself, because there's nothing that I feel in this movie that really draws like, oh wow, I can't believe that happened. Like, right, like scandal. Right. Like the scandal you, is that she uh, murdered her ex husband. Right. That's a big scandal in itself. And if the movie would have concentrated on that instead I of I almost want like a um Oh my god, the movie that we saw earlier. Tammy Tammy Faye? The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I wanted like an Eyes of Tammy Faye of but instead of Tammy Faye, Patricia Reggiani. Because I like how in that uh, Tammy Faye movie, like you kind of start at the at the end of the movie or like in present day. Yeah. Like I'd rather they start in present day where she like looks terrible. It's been like 20, 25 years and she's just getting out of prison or something like that. Right. And she gets all of like, what is it? Like a million dollars a year in a lump sum. So she gets $20 million all at once because she still gets um, her alimony. Still gets it. So gets her alimony from the ex-husband that she killed. Like, that's insane. Like, I want I want that. And then you can throw in some flashbacks of, like, how, how she got here. Yeah, that would have been interesting because you you could have seen the actual tragedy of the death of Mauricio. Yeah. Th- told through her eyes, her story. Like, you right. know what a, a good example of this would have been something like, do, did you see I, Tanya with Margot Robbie? Yeah, yeah. Where she's kind of telling the story and it's like... But she's an unreliable own, narrator. Right. And so you cool. could have done something yeah. similar to that with Patricia where... You think breaking fourth wall like that? Maybe not breaking fourth wall, but having that story told through the eyes or the lens of Patricia mm-hmm. would have been better because this movie kind of like... Feels va- like third, third person. Like yeah, why? but it starts through... Patricia, it's like, on her. Yeah, you feel that the movie is focused on her and how she got herself into the family. But then mm. after she gets herself in, the movie kind of just takes a step back. The film, you know, the filmmaker takes a step back and is mm. like just telling you as a, you know, third third person in that in that sense. Yeah. So that's where the movie kind of just like 
begins to just meddle in some like slow moving parts that don't really gel and don't really make anything that's yeah. interesting. Like I don't really care that Gucci was trying to reinvent itself. Right. Like that like, wasn't pff- interesting enough. Yeah. Right. Like if you're interested in fashion that that's fine, like that's cool, like you want to see how this was made. If you want to see like the way Gucci was run, make a documentary. Don't Right. Don't. Did we really need like Anna Winter? Yeah, <laughs> randomly, not also not credited or mentioned no, by name or anything. Everyone has to assume. Definitely Anna Winter. Oh yeah, totally. Uh so yeah, it's choices like that where the movie is trying not to hold your hand with like choices like that with like Tom Ford and Anna Winter, but at the same time it's holding your hand by having like expository clunky stuff from uh Salma Hayek's character that is foreshadowing what's about to happen. So it's 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 a weird back and forth that they're doing there. Yeah. What oh, I got a major complaint about the cinematography in this movie. Hated I think, it. It was just like the last duel. What I was the very hell? Confused. Why was it gray? Why is everything gray? I thought this was like glitz, glamour, house of Gucci, fashion, colors. bright colors. <laughs> no. No, everything is in a gray washed hue. Out. Washed out. Like, oof. It totally terrible to look at. Although yeah. a lot of the shots themselves are are good. Like they're in great well placement. composed shots. Well and then composed. they ruin it with, with the color. Like filters and oof. color grading. Like it's bad. It you know what it reminds me of? Like back in the trend of like in the early 2010s on Instagram, everybody would throw like these heavy, heavy ass <laughs> filters, sepia filters, or yes, just yes. like just really drowning their photos. That's what it felt like. Um, yeah, that, that, that was a major problem for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, Jared Leto is <laughs> a bright spot, but this is not like in a good way. Like this is more just like, we found enjoyment in him because he the way that he was acting was as if the movie was called House of Paolo Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> like he really he did. He thought he was the center of attention. He was having a three, four, five course meal out of the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> like he was like, "Do you have any lines, good sir? I don't care." Yo, but I like, really don't care. Yo, some of the some of the lines that his character spits out is just <laughs> hilarious, dude. Like, I know that he's supposed to be like the like the dumb one of the family, like the bumbling idiot. Yeah, but bro, like some of the lines they give him to read are just over the top bad. Like when he does it, and I'm doing the accent that he does, but basically he's <laughs> like, "I want to fly like a pigeon." <laughs> and i'm just like wow this is wow <laughs> this man is committing to this oh i i enjoyed that he committed so hard that's like, what i enjoyed too but like it doesn't work no at it the end work. of the day nothing worked <laughs> no it doesn't and the reason why it doesn't work at least for me mostly is because each person feels like they're in a completely different movie yeah like adam driver adam driver let's talk about adam driver Adam Driver plays this stoic, very reserved character, right? Which, I mean, it could work in a drama, no problem. But the the movie doesn't focus on him, really. Like, he is a supporting character 
for most of it because mm-hmm. we're seeing if he would have been like the central character and you see all the madness around him, that makes sense. I get it. But him being the stoic figure, but you, you, he's like, he almost thinks like a he's supporting. normal. Right. He thinks he's versus normal. Versus his family, which who's like out, outlandish and over the top. Right. It, it just feels a little off. And, but then he feels really uh, like intense ownership over his name, Gucci. Yes, he does. He really does. He's like a, He's got a com- complex here because right he doesn't, he doesn't want like, to be a Gucci, but he, he doesn't want to be a Gucci, but he is a Gucci, and he doesn't want like it when Patricia is also claiming ownership over the name Gucci and is maybe even more of a Gucci than he is. She really feels like she belongs in that family mm-hmm. with the way she acts. Yeah, because everybody is just a, everyone is a character. Yes, in the way they're portrayed, everyone is eccentric. Everyone is, you know out there but adam driver's marizio is the only one who has some sense and went to school he wants and, to be a lawyer and right didn't want to get into the family business and it's like okay cool but that's fine. not really what i'm here for i'm not yeah. here for a and that's not what patricia was there for either she nah, made him <laughs> get back dude, into the family she, yo she was like no nah, we're we're getting into this we are mm-hmm. going to be part of the gucci name <laughs> house of gucci yeah, like seriously, sweetie, sweet, oh. <laughs> bro. That accent was everywhere for Gaga, bro. <laughs> at times she did sound Italian, but at times she sounded Russian. Oh uh, my god, did you? Oh my god, we didn't talk about the small controversy that came out before this movie where Bina's uh, Bina, so Sama Hayek's character mm-hmm. has an accent, right? An Italian accent, what have you, right. And Salma was having difficulty nailing this accent because she already has a very heavy accent. So she called in a dialect coach. This dialect coach did this interview and where she said, I don't mean to be, you know, disparaging or whatever, but I was on set helping Salma with her accent. And I heard Lady Gaga, you know, doing her Patricia Reggiani accent sounded no, nothing like an Italian accent, sounded Russian. And this interview made the rounds everyone was reporting on it slamming lady gaga for her not a non-italian italian accent that sounded more russian and (laughs) what i found interesting is what the dialect coach said was in a movie where there's a lot of um actors who are not native italian speakers and who don't naturally have an italian accent there were no dialect coaches except for me. And I was called at the request of Salma Hayek. So why weren't <laughs> dialect coaches on on standby? Like, great, why weren't they provided to the actors? That is a question. And I was like, ooh. <laughs> Yo, everybody went in, like, not truly understanding the assignment. No. Uh, like, hey, this is going to be about an Italian family. Come with your best Italian accent. <laughs> and right, nobody right. was there to, like, tell them no. <laughs> That's not the way it sounds. No dialect coaches for a cast that is not Italian. Ooh. Trying to do Seriously. an Italian accent. Um I will say there there's memorable lines in this movie sometimes for the wrong reasons, but one that actually kind of stood to me that I I I enjoyed and I like sat back like, "Oh, that's a good line." Uh, it was uh after they have separated Maurizio and Patricia. Patricia comes like unannounced to try to, you know, Get Mauricio back. Oh, with They're the photo outside. album? They're, yeah, with the... Oh, that was Ooh. heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, and then 
after he's like so cold with her and he's about to go inside and she goes, I didn't know I married a monster. And he responds, no, you married a Gucci. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. 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 So this movie does have you. moments. <laughs> yeah. This movie has moments. Um, yeah. So she little- also asked like, where did my husband go or something? And he's like, no, nope, he's right, right here. Like he never went anywhere. Like it's me. Yeah. It's a little I, bit like what I mean. I he's do a dick. feel that the that the dissolvement of the relationship happened too fast in the movie that you don't even realize that. Oh wait, are they separated or are they going in different directions? Like you don't. But she it like he blindsides her as yeah, well. He like does. I don't know. Yeah, with a, with a different woman, which I need to look up who that is because I think that's. Diane Kruger, but under a prosthetic nose. No, it is no. I could be completely. wrong. I have wrong. to look it up. Now. I could be Hold completely on. wrong, but like Diane I was trying Kruger. to figure out like the entire time who is this woman and why does she have a prosthetic nose on? Because there's no way that is a real nose. <laughs> Rico, you're gonna die if that's her real nose. Like, what are you gonna do? Oh, yeah, it, it's kind of messed up. You know what? I I should take that back, but. I, it just felt like Isabella. I knew who that actress. I just homie, that's her real, that's her real no. nose. Her name is Camille Cotton. Cotton. She's from Paris, France. She's French. Oh my god, I can't believe you just insulted so this woman's nose. Oh, oh my god. Oh no. It's fine. It's fine. Um. Sorry to Camille and sorry to Diane Kruger because, oh my God. All right. So the other woman it comes into the picture. <laughs> Are you okay? You're no, like, I'm, no I'm not word. okay. No, I'm not okay. Oh, this is the I feel weirdest so bad. interview. I feel oh, so man. bad. This is one of the most interesting reviews we've done in a while. It really is. It really is. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> You're just still cringing at yourself. You're like all tensed up. <laughs> Oof. Okay. <laughs> what were you saying? I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to say about House of Gucci? Look, this this is not a good movie. <laughs> But this movie is entertaining. I loved it because it was entertaining. Because of how bad it is. Because it's like off the rails. It really is off the rails. Uh, the- like we found like the last duel so polished and like right. had a clear vision. And it had like, you know, part one, part two, part three. And, you know, had a lot of questions being asked of, uh, you know, the audience and shit like that. And then this movie comes along <laughs> and it's like... Oh my god. It felt like really Scott was just like, you know what? I just need to make a fun movie. It was But I can't make a flat out comedy. People uh, expect something from me. (laughs) I've seen E True Hollywood stories better than this movie. Oh God, yes. You know, it was just (laughs) is missing a lot. Um Yo, I I really (laughs) I did enjoy though, whenever like Aldo and Paolo would like interact because Although you could tell just does not truly love his son. Like he really feels <laughs> like, God, this yeah. kid's an idiot. Yeah. But he's my idiot. Like he says it in the movie. <laughs> he's my <laughs> idiot. <laughs> and so like after he gets out of jail and like Paulo's on the phone. Bro, 
that whole the thing of like exiting the airport <laughs> and he can't find the car. No. And then he's like, what kind of car is it? He's like, oh, a Fiat, whatever. And he's like, Fiat, oh, it's right here. And then I think to myself, because he's got a ton of um, luggage. I'm like, how are they going to fit all that luggage in a freaking Fiat? Right. It's because Fiat's at the time were so small. And, and then, they well, even continue. Yeah. And, oh, oh, my God. God. So I was like, okay, bullshit. <laughs> I don't even have basic cable <laughs> yo <laughs> oh god it's yeah, just man. so funny when when he confesses that he sold his shares and pacino goes wild <laughs> it's just like i'm dead i'm <laughs> like, dead he goes full pacino <laughs> full pacino it's so great I, I, bro oh, <laughs> i love it because of how bad and absurd it is yeah so, uh overall though like the movie the movie's a two out of five i think i gave it a two and a half uh, yeah it, it's a low scoring movie and it entertains that's why i gave it a two because it entertains for the wrong reasons it is yeah, unintentionally it hilarious it, i know that ridley scott and these people were doing this in earnest that's that's what makes it even funnier <laughs> they were trying yes they were trying <laughs> and they were trying hard <laughs> <laughs> all of them like, in their unique ways why am i laughing at a slow-mo of adam driver getting shot down in front of his oh, like yeah. penthouse <laughs> <laughs> that should this, not like, have been funny that's not funny but i'm laughing so yeah oh man so yeah those are because our this thoughts. is the moment we've been waiting for right like this is the scandal of the whole thing oh man and it's just so quick and, it's and then so quick. I, 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 did does yeah she does she breaks fourth wall lady gaga breaks fourth wall at the end of the movie after she's sentenced and they call her you know miss reggiani and she says you could call me patricia gucci, gucci. and then she like dead into the camera just looks as they show in text she was sentenced like you know <laughs> like just dead sentenced center to right 20 into, years right into yeah. the camera oh mm -hmm. my god but she's uh, a character like i want to see her like now looking haggard and like still dressing as toguchi like i would like to see that, that is what she is yeah that's the interesting that's still the wanting interesting to be story. recognized as a gucci yeah that's the interesting story there um but the movie didn't really give us that no but no, <laughs> they it tried to get. I mean, it gave her a lot of credit, which is fine, whatever. But man, <laughs> oh man, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I first saw the trailer and I said, This could go one of two ways either it's really good or it's really, really bad, bad, and there's no in between. And we were right, yep, it was <laughs> really bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I think that wraps us up on yeah. House of Gucci. Those those <laughs> have been our thoughts on House of Gucci. Uh, if you are listening for the first time, thank you so much for checking out our episode. If you enjoyed, uh, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. If you want to tell us how you feel about the movie, about Encanto or House of Gucci, or just want to chat with us, you can check us out on social media so you can stay up to date with us on the latest episode, reviews, and everything. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Once again, that's at AlwaysCriticPod. Finally, 
if you are a fan already, you've subscribed, you follow us, do everything, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support on the show. You could go ahead and check us out on our page, patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. And with that said, that has been today's episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast. really ugly (laughs) he was really ugly he was fat he was short with sideburns it's really ugly (laughs) yo yo al pacino catching straight bullets for what for nothing nothing. bro (laughs) just for playing a role man that gucci family went off they were just like "Uh uh-uh this is not how you're going to represent us. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, God. One of our most famous actors of all time. Nah, man. <laughs> that ugly Fuck that man. guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> he was tall and handsome. He wasn't Pacino. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, that that was wild. That was wild. Oh, <sighs>